Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I am your host, Chase Krauss. Let's dive in. Howdy, howdy, y'all. Welcome to Catholics with Bibles. Very excited to be with you today on this beautiful day here in Austin, Texas, even if you're not listening from Austin. It's a beautiful day here in Austin. I hope wherever you are, you're having a good day. hope that the Lord is blessing you. I hope that you are staying safe and healthy and sane during uh, this time of, uh, you know, maybe you're still in shelter in place. Maybe you're not. I don't know. Here in Texas, they're starting to uh, lighten up a lot of the restrictions, letting businesses open up again. Obviously, a lot of pros and cons to that. A lot of people worried, um, but also a lot of people relieved. So wherever you're at in the spectrum of worried or relieved, I hope that you are staying close to the most sacred heart of Jesus during this time. And so today in Catholics with Bibles, we're on our part three of our mini series on the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Before we dive into Jacob, uh, the Hebrew word of the day um, is because we're in the Old Testament. So it's originally written in Hebrew. And it's actually the, the word for where Jacob got his name. So uh, Jacob's name in Hebrew is uh, Ya'akob. Uh, you can kind of hear Jacob come from that, Ya'akob. Um, there's no J in Latin, Greek, or Hebrew. There's no J. So a lot of the times it's a Y sound there. So Ya'akob, it, it's associated with the, the Hebrew Akab, Akeb, really, it, which is, means heel. Um, so you remember Jacob was uh, a twin. He was a, the lesser of a twin. And he was named that because he was grasping the heel of his brother Esau, his twin brother who was born just right before him. And also it's another Hebrew word is Akab. So the first one is Akeb. This one's Akab. Akab means cheat. Um, and Jacob, which we'll, we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, you know, Esau accused him of cheating him out of his birthright, out of the blessing. So Jacob, a bit of an, he's an interesting figure because his name comes from heel and also really closely related with um, the word cheat. So Ya'akab ya uh, is his name in Hebrew and Akeb is heel. Akab is cheat. Fun fact about Hebrew, sometimes words sound basically identical, but they don't mean the same thing. I guess that's in English too. English, we have you know a bunch of words that are literally they sound exactly the same, but they by no means mean the same thing. And uh, yeah, English is a weird language and so is Hebrew. Uh, Hebrew is just a much older language, obviously. So uh, Jacob, let's give it to him real quick. Remember, he's the, he's the third of our three main patriarchs of the Old Testament. Just as a bit of a recap here, for those who uh, might've missed the last couple of weeks, uh, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And patriarchs really in a broad sense is just a leader of a tribe or family. But when it comes to the Old Testament, when they say patriarchs, they're really zooming in on, on these three, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, in the book of Acts, Peter refers to David as a patriarch. And in a sense, he is, right? He's the leader of a tribe of Israel. He's the king. And so in the literal sense of the term patriarch, uh, David definitely would be considered a patriarch. But in the tradition of the church in the Old Testament, the patriarchs are really Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Namely, these are the three men that uh, the nation of Israel came forth. Namely, uh, Jacob's 12 sons are the 12 tribes of Israel which we'll get to kind of at the end of this episode. Um, there's a lot to Jacob's story. There's a lot we could talk about. There's a lot we could say. Um, and his story really is intertwined with his son Joseph's story. 
So in Genesis, you know, Jacob comes into play with um, his birth and his mention and at the end of Genesis 25, 26. And he's alive really until the very end of Genesis. Uh, so Genesis 49, we hear his blessing of his 12 sons. And so we have 25 chapters basically where not necessarily Jacob is talked about the entire time um, because really Jacob's the protagonist, the main character from you know, chapter 25, 26, uh, until about 35 or so, give or take. Um, and that's when uh, Joseph's story, you know, we, we remember the story of Joseph. Uh, he was, you know, sold into slavery by his brothers, goes to Egypt as a slave, and then wins favor with the king. And then Joseph is actually the one that ends up bringing his family to Egypt during time of famine. So we end Genesis with uh, basically we're in Egypt and that's when, you know, we get into Exodus and the story of Moses and all that stuff. So Jacob, like we mentioned, he's the younger of, of, of twins, right? So we have Esau and Jacob. And we learn from, from reading Genesis here that Isaac, the father, actually favored Esau. He was big, he was strong, he was hairy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but Rebecca uh, favored uh, Jacob. Uh, and so, it's a bit of a weird situation here, but we are given to understand that Esau is bigger, stronger, but with that, he, he's also more prideful. And Jacob, not being as big as strong, are also not the firstborn, even though they're literally minutes apart, if that. Um, we have this story in, in Genesis uh, 25 through 27, kind of that part, where we hear about Jacob uh, winning the birthright. And it's kind of a weird story. I don't know if you've ever read this story, um, but we read in, uh, let me flip to it here. In uh, Genesis 25, verse 29, we read, once when Jacob was boiling pottage, porridge basically, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of the red pottage for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Um, so the red pottage, Edom is that uh, is the word for red. So it's literally the Edomites are descendants of Esau because he ate the red pottage. So yeah, this is red, Edom. Verse 31, Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils and he ate and drank and arose and went his way. That's kind of wild, huh? We, <laughs> I, I can't even, I can't even fathom this situation. It, it's, it's literally bean soup, it's lentils. It's bean soup. That is kind of a wild reality that Esau literally sold his birthright for bean soup. And I think one of the ways we can read this, one of the ways I read this is a lesson of what uncontrolled passions can really lead you to. This is kind of what sin is in general. Um, we, 
we sell our birthright of being sons and daughters of God for bean soup for sin. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's just, it, it kind of shows the, the stupidity of, of sin. We, we have this amazing grace from God. We are given divine sonship through Jesus Christ. This is our baptismal birthright, not our natural one, obviously. Our baptismal birthright. And yet, we sell it for bean soup. How wild is that, y'all? How just totally, totally insane that we sell our birthright for bean soup. It's just, that's what sin is. It's so, it's so ridiculous. And uh, Hebrews 12 actually talks about this. Uh, he talks about Esau. And that, that's kind of what makes this analogy with, um, between sin and, and that bean soup. And so we, we move on with, with the story of Jacob. So he's won the birthright from Esau. Esau has relinquished it for lentil soup, red bean soup, because it's red. And uh, we, we go on and we hear about Jacob tricking his father, Isaac, who's like old and basically blind. And Rebecca actually helps him, his mom. Because once again, Rebecca favored Jacob. And we hear this kind of like weird story of how, uh, you know, Jacob put on this like, like I think it's like goat hair and goes up to Isaac and was like, here, feel how hairy I am. I'm clearly Esau. And to make sure that Isaac then gives the blessing to who he thought was Esau, but in reality was Jacob. And so Esau being just really ticked off at this point, swears to basically kill his brother Jacob. So that's when uh, Jacob runs away and he's, you know, he's trying to escape the anger of Esau, but also he wants to obtain a wife from his uh, parents' uh, lineage. So he doesn't want a Canaanite wife. So he goes um, to his uncle Laban and Laban's kind of, we find out a jerk. Uh, <laughs> Laban is not a, not a necessarily good man. Um, we, we read this in Genesis uh, 27. And so Jacob, uh, on his way though, to Laban, that's when we have this, the famous story of the vision of the ladder, the stairway to heaven, um, with the ladder that, you know, goes from earth to heaven and that was being uh, ascended and descended by, by angels. And so this is where, uh, God also reveals to Jacob, uh, the promises that he made to Abraham and Isaac. He reminds him of those promises and so when Jacob wakes up, he erects a pillar and names the place uh, Bethel, the house of God. Uh, so sometimes Bethel, um, there's like some uh, non-denomination churches, they say, oh, we're Bethel, Bethel Church. Sometimes you're like, what the heck does that mean? Well, uh, Bethel, it, so Bethlehem means house of bread. Beth is the Hebrew for bread, so, or so for house. Um, and so Bethel, El is being, being Lord. Bethel is just uh, the house of God. And that's when uh, he makes a vow to the Lord. So after this vision, he ends up in Labam uh, with Labam and Labam basically makes a deal with them because Jacob sees uh, Rachel and Rachel is beautiful and steals uh, you know, Jacob's heart. And then Labam says basically, okay, sure. Like you can marry Rachel, 
but you have to work for me for seven years in order to like earn her hand in marriage uh, because you know you, you you have to you had to work for it basically um and so but here's the thing when seven years pass the marriage is supposed to happen but jacob had an or sorry uh, labam had another daughter leah and what happens is he veils Leah during the ceremony. So Jacob thinks at the ceremony he's marrying Rachel, but when in fact Leah is the one that's there. So she's culpable here. She's not like dumb. Leah is also the, the older sister who's theoretically has like the first right of marriage. And so she's veiled during the wedding ceremony and at the consummation of the marriage. So Jacob didn't realize until the morning that he didn't marry Rachel, he married Leah. So he wakes up. He's ticked off. And so it's ironic, Scott Hahn mentions in his Catholic Bible dictionary that he says, now Jacob the deceiver had become the deceived. Laban then promised Rachel to Jacob if he agreed to another seven years of labor. We did that in Genesis 29. So the, the Jacob the deceiver who stole the birthright from, from Esau became the deceived. Uh, apparently trickery runs in the family because his uncle Laban tricked him. But the thing is, Jacob still wanted to marry Rachel. And so he ended up working for another seven years. And uh, he had a, he ended up marrying uh, Rachel as well. And this is when we start uh, you know, hearing about the sons of Israel, or sorry, the sons of Jacob at that point. And so through Leah, he had his sons, and these are also the 12 tribes. So if you never like, knew the 12 tribes, so the 12 sons. We have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar and Zebulun and a daughter, Dinah. Um, but obviously the Dinah wasn't one of the 12 tribes. And then he also had a concubine, Bilhah. And through her, he had his sons, Dan and Naphtali. Uh, and then he had another concubine, Zilpah. And that's Gad and Asher were the two sons there. And eventually when he does marry Rachel, he uh, has his son, uh, Benjamin, and then also his son, Joseph. So we do end up having uh, sons through, through Rachel, but Rachel was barren for a long time. So once again, the oldest firstborn son, Reuben, then Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and then through Bilhah, we have Dan and Naphtali, and then Zilpah, Gad, and Asher. And then finally through Rachel, we have uh, Benjamin and Joseph. So... Those are the kind of situation there. So remember, uh, we have this weird situation in Genesis where if you read Genesis closely, like, you know, from one through 50, having multiple wives at the same time is never really, is never condoned by God. Adam made Eve, or sorry, God made Eve for Adam. It was, it was monogamy from the beginning. Yet when sin into the world, that's when polygamy came into, came into the world. And polygamy never bore good fruit. Polygamy never. In fact, when you read uh, Genesis, uh, for me, if you not know the exact chapter, but it was one, I think it was Genesis like, like six, five or six, somewhere in there when we read about uh, the first after Cain, like one of Cain's sons was like super evil and he uh, corrupted a lot of people, killed a lot of people, and he had multiple wives. And so it was, it's kind of implying there that his lust, his literal lust became a lust for power. 
So God didn't really want or didn't will Jacob to have multiple wives, multiple concubines, yet he could still bring good out of evil, namely the 12 tribes of Jacob or of Israel. And so eventually he does leave Labam. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we read that in Genesis kind of 31-ish, yeah, 31, um, he, he angrily pursued Jacob's caravan actually because Jacob basically like snuck away. Um, and so what happened was Jacob basically eventually appeased his father-in-law, right? And he established a covenant with him because covenants could be made between people, not just with God and, and God and people. And so he appeased uh, Labam, married both his daughters, um, and then both parties agreed to basically, you know, respect the, the boundaries of the territory. Um, all right, and so then we read about Jacob going back to his home, homeland. And remember, Esau's still there. So while Jacob's still the birthright, Esau is still the head honcho. He's still the firstborn son and has a big following. And he's a strong, big, powerful man. Yet God does what he always does in the Old Testament. He chooses the weak to shame the strong. So he definitely chooses the weak to, uh, to shame the strong. Uh, we, we see that all the time. Um, but before diving too much into that, Jacob's on the way to his home. He knows Esau's coming after him. He has like 400 men with him, a small army, and he wants to, to kill Jacob for stealing the birthright. So, because if he's dead, he's the next in line, Esau. So he then would have the birthright. Uh, and this is when we have the story of Jacob wrestling with an angel. So it is before, the night before this encounter with Esau, that Jacob encounters this mysterious unnamed angel. And he wrestles them through the night. In Hosea, actually, uh, chapter 12, verse four, we read, he strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel and there God spoke with him. So it's an angel, remember angelos in, the, in Greek, just means messenger. So um, and actually when you read the Greek of Exodus and the burning bush, um, it's, it, if you read it closely, it says an angel of the Lord was in the bush. So namely a messenger of God. So actually uh, Justin Martyr, one of the church fathers interpreted that as, as Jesus was actually the one, the word, the messenger of the father um, was the one in the bush. And so Jacob wrestled with this angel of the Lord, this messenger of the Lord, who Hosea clearly interprets as God. And then after the night's labor, he wrestles all night. He uh, gets struck in the hip. And so he gets like a permanent injury. Uh, but then he receives a blessing and a new name. So like Abram, later Abraham, he then receives a new name. He goes from being Jacob to Israel and says, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So Israel means like one who struggles with God. So when you think about the, even the, the nation of Israel, the story of Israel, it's the story of a nation who struggles with God because uh, Jacob wanted to receive the blessing. And so he wanted it so bad, he, he wrestled with God, wouldn't let him go. And then the nation of Israel throughout salvation history wants the blessings of God. They, wants, they want salvation and they end up wrestling with God. And in our Christian journey, it's almost the same way. We, we, we have to struggle and we do struggle so much 
with God, with what he, with the, the commandments that are harder to follow, you know, in Matthew five, six, and seven, the Sermon on the Mount, you read that there's no way you can't be convicted that you have so much further to go in your spiritual journey. You know, it says, uh, you know, you, you've heard in the old Testament, you shall not kill. But I say to you, Jesus says to you, you shall not even be angry with your brother. Like you, what? Like we can't even be angry yet. We get angry. We get frustrated. We get annoyed all the time. And so Israel is the one who struggles with God. Yet God doesn't condemn those who struggle with him. Rather, he blesses them. So if you're struggling right now with something in your spiritual life, in your family, if you're really wrestling with God over an issue right now, know that God blesses that struggle. He wants you to struggle because your struggle is proof of your desire for truth, for goodness, for beauty, for him. The struggle is a good thing. It's that holy groan. You know, if you ever been reading a good spiritual book and maybe read a, you know, a imitation of Christ or introduction to the devout life or whatever spiritual book and you read it and you're just like, oh, I suck. Or like, oh, that's so hard. That's like, that's a holy groan, right? And that's when you know you've encountered truth. You've encountered something really good when you have that, that, that holy groan to a deep truth that you encounter. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. That's a blessing from God. So Jacob struggled, and after the struggle, he is renamed Israel. In Genesis 35, we have a renewal of the promises. We have a renewal of the promises in Genesis uh, 35, 6 through 15. So we read Genesis 35, 6 through 15. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, so Bethel, the same place he saw the ladder, which is in the land of Canaan he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and, was, and she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So the name of, the, of it was called Alan Bekoth. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel shall, you, shall be your name. So his name was called Israel. And God said to him, I am God almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall spring from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. And I will give the land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. And he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken to him, Bethel. We hear uh, an allusion, right? To Adam, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. That's what he told, told Adam. He also tells it later uh, to various other uh, prophets. We hear Abraham there. We have Moses later on, be fruitful and multiply. So it's this blessing, the blessing from God, the renewal of that covenant promise he made to Abraham and Isaac. And so we have this interesting reality. So we knew in the story, we look at zooming out in the story of Jacob. 
So God passes over the proud firstborn son of Esau in favor of the younger son. And so we see that in Cain and Abel, Ishmael and Isaac. It's not like a new thing. God chooses the weak to shame the strong. And so we have this also in at the end of the story. So if you go to Genesis 49, we have this really, really interesting thing where where basically we encounter this last blessing of Israel, Jacob, over his sons. And if you ever wonder why Judah gets the promise and the blessing of kingship, when Judah's not the firstborn son, Judah's not the firstborn son. Reuben's born first, then Simeon. But it's interesting. If you read uh, Genesis 49, we have Reuben... It says Genesis 49, three, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in pride and preeminent in power, unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. You went up to my couch. What the heck is he talking about? So basically saying you won't, you're, you're the firstborn, but you don't get the blessing. And it's because in, in Genesis 35, we, we find out Reuben actually slept with one of Jacob's concubines. So he basically slapped his father in the face, slept with one of his, his concubines. So Reuben lost the birthright through his actions. Then we have Simeon and Levi. So Simeon and Levi are brothers. This is still uh, 40, uh, chapter 49, verse five. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Oh, my soul, come not into their counsel. Oh, my spirit, be not joined to their company. For in their anger, they slay men and in their wantonness, they hamstring oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So Simeon and Levi, in uh, chapter 34, we read about the story of them going up to a town of Canaan and basically being like, yeah, like you guys totally hang out with us. You can, we'll totally share the land with you. All you have to do is be circumcised. And so all the men of the town choose to be circumcised. And the next day, while these men are basically crippled, they're, you know, they're, they're in recovery mode because they just got circumcised. Uh, Simon, uh, Simeon and, and Levi go and uh, with, their, with their men, they kill all the men. So they use a covenant ceremonial act as an act to gain power, to kill the men. So it's through their anger and their lust for power that they lost the birthright after Reuben lost his. So we end with Judah. So Judah being the next in line. So Judah, your, it was back to chapter 49, verse eight. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp, we read. So that's royal imagery. And so uh, we skip ahead to verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs. Messiah, right? Um, and so throughout this blessing, we won't go through all of them, but we also find Joseph later in verse 22. Said, Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers fiercely attacked him, shot at him and harassed him sorely. And yet we know that that's because his brother sold him into slavery. Um, and yet we keep reading, yet his, his bow remained unmoved. 
His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd of the rock of Israel, by the God of your father, you will, you will help who will help you by God almighty, who will bless you with blessings of heaven above blessings of the deep that couches beneath blessings of the beast and the womb blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of the eternal mountains, the bounties of the everlasting Hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was separate from his brothers. So this is actually the longest blessing here. And this is a, a Joseph, the tribe was later, later named Ephraim. And so a lot of times in the old Testament, every time the Northern tribe is, is talked about, especially amongst the prophets, uh, they're, it's called, they're called Ephraim for Joseph. So Joseph is actually the leader of the Northern tribe. So this is kind of the enmity between Joseph and Judah, the Northern and Southern tribes, because Joseph received the biggest blessing, but didn't receive the kingship like Judah did. Uh, so anyway, a lot more could be said. Hopefully that gives you an idea of the story of Jacob and how the tribes of Israel came to be and all that kind of stuff um, before, without getting into like a super duper long um, dissertation about everything. So I hope this was helpful. Hope that through this mini, mini series from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you understand a bit more about the patriarchs of the Old Testament, where the 12 tribes came from, a bit of their story. So thank you so much for joining us in Catholics with Bibles, and I will see y'all next time. All right, once again, everybody, thank you so much for joining us with Catholics and Bibles. I hope you enjoyed this mini series on the patriarchs. I uh, want to give a big shout out to everyone who has been listening, been sharing. Uh, like I say every week, if you find these helpful, uh, feel free to write a review, share, comment, do what you got to do. Also, a big shout out to Basilio, who is editing uh, this podcast for us. If you guys don't uh, don't know uh, Basilio, he's great. Does a lot of podcast editing. I'll be sure to put his info in the show notes. Y'all have a great day. God bless.